Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Illustration Department Podcast. My name is Giuseppe Castellano. In this podcast, I talk to folks in illustration, graphic design, publishing, animation, and other creative fields about their beginnings, their successes, and the bumps and bruises they've experienced along the way. In this episode, my guest is illustrator Giselle Potter. Believable perspective can sometimes be difficult to achieve in an illustration. There are lots of rules and points to follow, or in Giselle's case, not follow. Among other topics, she explains how an embarrassing trip to the New Yorker launched her career. We talk about finding stability as a professional illustrator, and Giselle reminds us why, especially when you feel like giving up, it's always good to have a little perspective. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Where were you born? I was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad was still going to graduate school, architecture school, and when I was born, and um, and very quickly after that, we moved to Stonington, Connecticut, where my grandparents lived. Mm -hmm. Um, But I traveled a lot when I was little, so that was sort of the home base. But we weren't. I wasn't there all that. I mean, I, you know, I was there quite a bit, but pretty much every summer. And then sometimes during the school year, we traveled, my parents had a puppet theater company, so they took us out of school a lot to travel. I'm sorry, a puppet theater company. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to have to explain that. uh, Yeah. So I'll go back. (laughs) They, my dad was in architecture school and practiced for a short while. We actually lived in France for a short while too. He worked at an architecture firm in Strasbourg, France when I was two, and he was not happy with that. And so he and my mom decided to start a puppet theater company, um, kind of, I don't know if you know Bread and Puppet, it's like big paper mache puppets, it's not like tiny little hand puppets. Um, So they started that together, and at first it was sort of like this giant group of other friends and they gradually pared it down to just be our family. So it was my sister and, and me, and they, we did a lot of traveling we did sort of do outdoor theater and all sorts of different festivals. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I did that until I was a teenager, basically. The next question I think already has been answered, but how did illustration, you know, how did art drawing painting make its way into your day to day? Well, yeah, I mean, just because I, we were, you know, missed a lot of school. I did a lot of had journals and things like that. And both my parents did a lot of drawing and encouraged me to do it. And then I also was very close to my grandparents who were both painters. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of around me all the time. Just making art was probably, you know, not something that I even thought about doing. It was just everybody does that. And um, it was more illustration happened because it's more like trying to figure out later what can you do for a job that that you can draw right and um and I think I was like somewhat I was a little different than my parents were sort of wild and didn't think about that kind of thing so much and I was sort of like how am I going to make a living and have a job so I think actually it was more like the practical side of me that went towards illustration rather than just you know just be a painter or something like that right I guess seeing your parents earning a living 
some kind of living through art, I, I would imagine, had an effect on you. Like, I imagine that, yeah. that that led you to believe, like, yeah, I could do this too, probably. Yeah, I mean, in a funny way, they they made a living, but sort of didn't too. I mean, it was kind of stressful. We'd run out of money all the time. And um, I think actually it was more that I knew that I still wanted to do something artistic, but not have that kind of like crazy life where you'd run out of money all the time. And I mean, it's funny because probably people would think, oh, illustration can be like that too. But for me, it was a very like practical real job or something more mm -hmm. than what my parents or the rest of my family did. And um, there's sort of like somewhat seemed to me this path that you could take of how you can make a living when you, you know, cause I thought of, you know, the children's books that I had and things like that. Well, that's something that's a job. I don't know. I just somehow I always thought that that, that was more practical than, you know, I mean, I did go to art school and saw people that were just doing painting and I thought like, how are they going to make a living? I was always constantly thinking about that. Yeah. So it was sort of, I think it, it sort of stressed me out as a child to see people that don't think about that very much. <laughs> What's well, funny. It's funny. That it's, it's, it sounds flipped, you know, usually. Yeah. It's the parents who are stressing out that you're not going to make any money. And in this case, the roles were reversed. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. definitely. <laughs> um, we... I mean, my grandparents were, were very more stable and I had spent a lot of time with them. Okay. And so I think that sort of rubbed off me too. I mean, they weren't pushy and, and pushing me towards being anything, but I think just watching them made me see that that's another side that's another way you can be of you know being a little bit more like having stability and right you know gotcha. did your grandparents sell their work my grandfather did a little he was um when i when i met him he was doing abstract paintings like giant huge abstract paintings sort of like jackson pollock style style paintings mm -hmm. but um earlier on he did these i the most of the ones that i have in my house are more like you know, landscapes and portraits that he did in the forties. And he did sell some of, some of his work, but he started to just more and more, he just stopped trying to be in galleries and things like that. They moved out of the city together. Mm -hmm. My grandmother worked at the MoMA when they met and, um, and they were both just really involved in the whole art scene, but then they sort of moved away and he continued painting, but less and less showing his work to anybody. You know, you and I missed each other at RISD because you graduated. Oh, really? I didn't know you went there. Okay. Yeah, uh, listeners do because I mention it every all the time. It's 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 one of the it's one of the things when you go to the RISD you have to mention that you go to RISD. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you graduated in '94, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I started in '95. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What did you major in? I actually majored in illustration. Okay. Um, I transferred there. I took some time off. I didn't go straight to RISD from high school and I transferred there and did two years there doing illustration. And then the last year I went to Rome. I did the program in Rome. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, oh, you did that too? Yeah. I, I loved that. Oh I mean, God. it's funny it's awesome. because, um, you know, I definitely got things from the illustration classes I took, but I kind of always wanted to take the other classes, you know, like glass blowing and all these other things that you could take there. Me too. And then it was so fun in Rome. I just felt like this freedom of not having to take illustration classes. But I actually, it was almost the most practice I had that when I graduated, I just was still in that same mode of like, you have your little studio and you just work all the time and nobody's telling you what to do. You just, 
you know, kind of have to be self-motivated. And I feel like that was a bigger lesson than anything else yeah. was just to have that kind of self-discipline and, mm-hmm. and yeah. be surrounded by people of all different sort of backgrounds was really mm-hmm. good, I think, too, yeah. to have crits with people that were in like sculpture and architecture and, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt the same way. I it, it was my it was definitely my first experience having my own studio. I had a corner. It was yeah. one room, and there were three of us in one room. And I had one corner. An architecture major had another corner, and a painting major had the another corner. So it was illustration, yeah. architecture, and painting. And the three of us were doing all sorts of different things. But yeah, it, it's it was um, it was an education, and that in and of itself, because you you just spoke you just had different conversations and, and that led to different thought processes and creative choices and things like that. It was, it was kind of amazing. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Um, so you graduated after graduation, I believe you moved to Brooklyn. If my research is yeah. correct, yeah. What, what was, what were your first kind of steps in that, in that, you know, real work life experience? Well, so when I was in Rome, I, did a lot of paintings. I was really interested in the stories of the saints that were sort of like mythical, ancient stories that, you know, kind of fantastical in a way, like St. Lucy that plucked her eyes out and offered them on a plate to people, you know, like strange stories that I made into a collection. Yeah. And when I came back, I kind of just went to bookstores and found books that I liked and thought, oh, you know, maybe if this publisher does a book that I like, maybe they would publish it. And I sent those those stories and paintings around I, I think I mostly actually I just sent them to Chronicle Books because I kept finding that they had books that were sort of that same genre that they weren't really children's books or I guess you call them gift books or whatever they're mm-hmm. just not in any specific category and they actually accepted it and that was right away when I first came back from Rome and simultaneously when I was first moved to Brooklyn I brought my portfolio around to different mm-hmm. magazines and and um they at that time they like the new yorker had one day you drop off your portfolio and then you think you picked it up either the next day or the next or a week later maybe mm-hmm. so i did all that kind of stuff and i kind of didn't even really know if, i don't know if how much i expected anything to happen but i feel like everything was just really lucky like the publishing that book was like wow i didn't expect that and then I, when I went to the New Yorker, I, everybody sort of said, oh, you just drop it off and then you pick it up and you never meet anybody. And I, so I just expected it to be like that. And I went, actually, I had the box that I made a box of paintings and that's what I brought around. Oh my <laughs> Instead God. of, you're supposed to have Xeroxes, right, right? Or whatever at that time. And I think, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I brought around a box of paintings and I remember it was this really rainy day and I dyed this dress I was wearing had been dyed blue and it was like pouring down my legs. My, my legs were all blue. Oh, and I was, okay. It doesn't really matter because I'm not going to meet anybody. It's fine. I'll just pick up my box. Nobody will notice. And suddenly somebody came out like, Oh no, he wants to meet with you. It was this guy, Owen Phillips that used to work there. And he actually met with me at the New Yorker and bought some of the paintings for that box. <laughs> So that was very crazy luck and just like completely started everything for me because the New Yorker was amazing at that time doing 
work for them, all these other magazines would be call me and say, oh, I saw your picture in the New Yorker. Can you do, you know, so it just sort of started this chain of work for me. And it's actually how um, the children's book started, too, because the first editor I worked with, Ann Schwartz, saw uh, one of the illustrations I did for the New Yorker and offered me my first book. So. Wow. I would say that was really just this crazy, lucky moment that I happened to drop off my portfolio at the right moment, I think. And it just feels like that. You know, it just feels like these little moments that could have just somebody was in a different mood and didn't want to meet or didn't look at it or, you know, you just, it's, I feel like life is so strange that way, but Mm -hmm. it was definitely amazing luck. So I don't know how it would be now. I feel like it'd be so completely, I don't know how people start now because. I don't think they have things like that where you drop off a portfolio or definitely not a physical portfolio. Right. Yeah. You, you know? just anticipated my next question. You said at the time. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, you've been doing this for a while, so I'd imagine yeah. that you're, you've seen one or two or three changes uh, from the late nineties, mid to late nineties to now with editorial and picture book publishing i i feel like i've got a little out of touch i i feel like in the very beginning i did a lot more editorial work than i do now mm-hmm. it, you know it just felt like it was really sort of physically sending out you know cards or bringing your portfolio or different things like that and now i just i don't I, like i said i don't really even know how it works anymore i think people probably just send your website to people or something i don't know but yeah. Mm-hmm. I just sort of still rely on the old connections I have from so long ago, mm-hmm. which, you know, that obviously always changes. There's always, you know, I remember even probably 15 or 20 years ago going to the New Yorker again and realizing when I talked to one of the art directors that they were probably like, you know, half my age even then, which was just like, oh, you know, there's so many young people now working that it just it feels like sometimes I feel kind of like out of it with all that stuff. But um, there's still some older art directors, and especially with children's books, it seems like there's still some people that have been doing it forever. And, right. Um, and, yeah, I mean, with children's books, it feels like it's changed. I'm more aware of that change just because I've sort of more consistently been doing that. And um, that just feels like completely changing of just these giant, uh, all the publishing houses have just merged into one giant thing and Mm -hmm. it feels a lot less um personal i guess you know just you don't i don't meet with people as much in the beginning it would be a lot more you know going i'd go into the city even after i moved up here i'd go into the city and meet with people and now it just feels like well why you don't need to i don't hand deliver art whereas now i never do that anymore yeah yeah i mean this is something we talk about on the podcast a lot uh my guests and I about the differences and that's just, I mean, we're not talking about the sixties here. We're talking about the nineties, early two thousands and how so much of it has changed. And, uh, you know, what, why has it changed? Uh, my feeling is social media, the internet. Oh yeah. Um, I suppose I, I was going to say fewer publishers, but it's not, that's not entirely accurate. It's not like, publishers are going away they're just they're just merging they're becoming larger and larger beasts the imprints are still there you know these like smaller little i like to 
explain what an imprint is by just saying it's it's like a town inside of a state, you know. So right, right. Penguin is a state, and then all these little imprints are towns within that state. So they all kind of have their own rules and their own personalities and stuff, but they kind of abide by the over exactly. like the state's general rules, I suppose. Um, I first learned of your work in 2000, maybe four, five, six, something like that. Uh-huh. I was at Simon & Schuster, and it, my first introduction to your work was Kate and the Beanstalk. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I was obviously, you know, a couple decades ago almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, it, it, one of the things I that struck me uh, about your work was this, that and it's interesting to hear what you're talking about as far as um, EHP, you know, living in Rome, these like saints, these, these sort of um, almost naive, but the, the, the like early Renaissance, like the Jotos of the world where yeah. the characters were a little stiff, the, the yeah. perspectives were a little off, but it, there was a, it was like the, the naturalistic approach, like the manneristic approach was kind of making its way into, into painting and, and it wasn't quite there yet. So like, you know, babies look like old men and yeah, but everyone just kind that. of like yeah. faced the viewer, you know, but their heads were yeah. always turned. Anyways, that felt like your work felt a little bit like that. Yeah, so definitely. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm imagining there was some influ- influence there. Yeah. I mean, I think I was definitely inspired, you know, by that year in Rome inspired me. I mean, everything, you know, cumulative over the you know my whole childhood of, of traveling and seeing different things my you know my whole family probably influenced me but yeah I mean I've always been attracted for some reason to that exactly what you said like whether you call it naive or folk art or self-taught or whatever it is when it's has this little I mean there's Giotto and he's well known but then there's a lot of the work there was sort of anonymous actually you know frescoes and different things and places where it wouldn't actually be any name it would just be sort of like they just you know these little paintings that mm-hmm. were not about somebody's ego as much as like i'm gonna make this picture of something you know what i mean right. that's just i don't know i've always attracted by by that kind of honesty which is sometimes awkward i guess too and yeah so i'm you know i'm sure that all comes out when I yeah it's like paint. early renaissance stuff like fra angelico was a good example of that yeah, too yeah i love that too yeah yeah, yeah it yeah. just seemed like yeah right like some of the anonymous ones were just like friars who knew how to paint yeah <laughs> and, they, you and know. they were so strange some of them you know just, oh my just God. like you said completely awkward perspective and yeah but just like really funny little details of like i just remember you know pictures of feasts where like really strange food and um i don't know i just i, I don't know for some reason i just love that and I mean, it's funny because I love it, so it probably comes out, but it, and some of it's, in, you know, some of that is not at all intentional. It's not like I'm trying to do that. It's just mm-hmm. what you like, I think, comes out from you. And and some of the awkwardness is not intentional. It's just as, that I don't know how to do it in any way else. It's not like right. I'm trying to make things in a weird perspective. It just happens because I don't know how to do it any other way. Well, that's interesting to hear that because perspective is something else I want, something I want to chat with you about um you should know when i talk to illustrators and we talk about perspective um i often bring your work up i often send them to your portfolio and to your work because your work is a great example of 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 why and how 
illustrators don't have to be super duper precious with perspective. It doesn't have to be, you know, an architectural schematic when it yeah. comes to composition, uh, particularly backgrounds, particularly if it's buildings, interior, interiors, exteriors, whatever. It just has to work and it has to be believable. And I think that the, if anyone looks at your work, you, they'll see it. They'll see like a table that the angle on the table is like completely off relative yeah. to the wall. But it works because everything is kind of completely off. I mean, you're saying it's it's quasi-intentional. It's quasi-not intentional. It's what you just know how to do. I think it's mostly not intentional, actually. I think I just mostly don't know what I'm doing. And it just kind of <laughs> happens like that. I mean, I, I'm not saying like, I'm going to make this look all wacky. It's just sort of, I don't know. Maybe I just say, maybe it's how I see things too. Maybe I have like weird vision where everything's all wacky. And I just paint what I see. I don't know what it is, but it's funny because my daughter is just about to graduate from high school and she was thinking she was going to go to art school and she actually has had second thoughts and she's not going not gonna to go next year. But she was getting her portfolio together and somebody made a similar comment. Like it was so strange. Somebody actually asked her like if she was on, um, antidepressant medication what <laughs> because she's not but it, they just thought that her perspective was so strange that she must be on something and I was like I just made me think about myself like wow do some people just think it's really crazy and I don't see that at all like maybe I just don't I don't know if I see that it's so crazy actually my perspective and everything's all wonky I think it looks kind of normal to me so maybe that's the that's the weird thing is maybe it's just how I see things I, I'm sorry. I'm like a little stunned about that <laughs> comment. I know. I was stunned too, believe me. But I mean, basically, I they're saying they're looking at your daughter's portfolio and literally saying, Are you high? Yeah. I mean, I can't it was even. just one person that was maybe was a little crazy too. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. Um, Holy But cow. it just made me think about that, though, just how some people think, like, Wow, you have really crazy perspective, but you might. I mean, I for myself, I don't really know that I do so right. it's just a strange thing to think about what's your medium I lately I've been using um Dr. Martin watercolor ink so they're those little bottles of mm -hmm. concentrated watercolor they're just very bright um watercolors and they're a little hard to work with because they're less forgivable than than regular watercolors you you know once you paint it's kind of hard to take something away mm -hmm. so it like stains the paper really then kind then, of yeah. yeah but some colors more than others but yeah i don't know it's sort of gratifying how crazily bright they can get but um sometimes i think why am i doing this to myself because it's actually quite frustrating if you and lately when i make mistakes that i can't fix i've been cutting out new pictures and gluing them on so it sometimes ends up being almost like collage of my own pictures yeah you've been working professionally since 95 i think so yeah 95 or 96 yeah has there ever been a time from that point to now where you've gotten sick of it you know gotten tired I, of it well, I've never gotten sick of it. I constantly still now feel like, wow, it's so lucky that I can have a job that I really like doing. Yeah. I mean, I feel so like it's such a lucky job to have. But but there's more than being sick of it. There's been 
definitely periods where I'm like, this is really slow. Am I going to still be able to do this? Should I figure out something else to do too? And, you know, frustrating times of waiting for projects that just feel like they take forever to actually come to fruition or Mm -hmm. waiting on sketches where just like, you can't believe how long it's been taking, you know, just things where I'm just getting patient sometimes about it, not just being constantly busy. You know, every time that I've almost been like, you know, I'm just going to give up. This isn't, I'm not getting enough work or something. I usually, something's happened where I've turned around and felt like, okay, yeah, this is, I can do this still. Um, do you, can you identify something that's helped you, helped you turn it around? Was it like, oh, I'll just change my medium and see what happens. Or maybe just, you know, a just serendipitous moment of, you know, someone just emails you out of the blue and says, hey, can you do a illustration for the New York Times? I mean, was it anything like that yeah, or just more, more like that? I've never said, oh, I'm going to change what I do to get more work. It's more when I've changed things up, it's more just because I need to feel excited if I start to feel like I said if I feel like I'm getting sort of stiff or just in a rut of a routine of like almost like I'm a machine okay this is what I do and I do it again and and I have to sort of feel like I'm switching it up every time just to to feel alive but it's never really about getting more work it's usually uh yeah I guess serendipitous I mean it's just it seems like either it's it is that sort of like out of the blue like oh here's a project when I hadn't had one for a long time or mm-hmm. being proactive and saying okay nothing's happening right now I'll try and write a new story and really like send it around or send a little email to people art directors I've worked with before and remind them that I'm out here still you know just yeah. kind of you know every once in a while it's easy to sort of forget that you need to do that. And, you know, in the middle of being busy, I completely forget to do anything. And then when I have a little slow period, I'll remember that I need to do that. And Yeah, uh, uh, there's the reason I'm asking that is just because, you know, often in conversation with illustrators, that kind of that kind of thinking comes up. It's like, obviously, it's incredibly frustrating. It's inconsistent. You know, illustration can also be wonderful and and, you know fascinating and exciting but it's at times the the day-to-day slog drag i mean i I don't know what else to call it um can can i mean it, it takes a lot to to carry that weight when it's not working you know, like yeah, when you're when you're yeah. tr- from the beginning, when you're trying to get agents, when you're trying to get the attention of editors and art directors and it's not working or once that happens, congratulations. But then it's like, and where's I have an agent, but where's my work? You know, like, where's yeah. the work? How, why am I not getting work? Or um, I got an email from an art director who says my work is amazing, but why aren't they hiring me? And it, so yeah. that, but then you get past that and you start working. And then what you just said, you know, oh, why aren't the where are the comments? You know, the art date is coming up or yeah, I, I yeah. did what they said, but now they want me to change everything. And then, the, but then you right. get past that hurdle and yeah. it's like, okay, well I've been working for a few years. Why, why, why am I still, why do I still need a second job? You know? It, right. Right. It, so it's like, there's always these, I mean, pretty heavy uh, moments in an illustrator's career that I, I just need to be brought out to light. Cause it isn't all, once you get an agent, everything's wonderful. Once you get an art director no, to hire you, yeah. everything's wonderful. It's not just sun, yeah. sunshine, rainbows, and puppy dogs. It, it's 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 hard. It's very hard, and I yeah. and I think it's 
I'm not saying this to bum people out or harsh anyone's buzz or anything, but it, it has to be said. It just has to be continually discussed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, there's these moments. As, I don't think it's possible that you could have an illustration career and not have moments of doubting that it's going to continue and, you know, just thinking, okay, well, that was great. That's It's just going to stop now and, you know, I have to figure something out. I think probably every single illustrator has had a moment like that. But, I mean, at the same time, it's, you know, I feel like everything is so hard and I sometimes feel like almost like, wow, that's so easy. It's such an easy job compared to like, you know, seeing people that do like hard labor. I don't know, just yeah, I know. Like, that's, oh my God, I'm just yeah. sitting here like, you know, it just seems so easy to just be like painting and having my own schedule and so many things that sometimes I almost feel guilty how easy it is. But that's all if you have work. And then there's these moments of like, oh, well, if I don't have work, I'm gonna have to figure out something, you know, I don't know what job doesn't have that. I guess there's some jobs that don't have that. But yeah, I mean, I think I think the big thing with it's illustration is that you're just on your own a lot. You have to be somebody that's okay with that. And there were some years where I was like, you know, this is so isolated and just being in your studio by yourself. And I mean, some people share studios and I thought of that for a while, but I'm now I just, I don't feel like it could really work that way. I just like to be on my own when I work. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely moments where you just have to be like self-driven to make it continue I mean, I'm sure every job has that aspect, but it feels particularly like you're on your own about that with this. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, the, and and this also just feels like there's so much about just random luck about it. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, one person who's incredibly talented gets all the work. It's also just sort of they were in the right place at the right time or have the right way of presenting themselves or whatever mm -hmm. it is that, that makes some people be able to have a career of it while others that are probably making amazing art just aren't able to make a career of it somehow, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, geez. I mean, I don't want to get into that because we'll, yeah. we'll be here all day, but uh, I mean, just even our friends that are artists, it's just, it's hard to watch sometimes people that just make amazing art and just, but they don't have the personality to push themselves out there and promote themselves. And so they're just like, are, you know, on their own doing it. And then there's people that you're like, really? They're in this gallery, <laughs> you know, just like, oh, you can't, you know, Giselle. it's so strange. Oh, very much so. It is entirely subjective. Illustration yeah. is 100%. I mean, there are very few tried and true um, aspects of illustration that are, are cemented, are carved into stone that, that will never change. Very, very few. One of yeah. those things it is, is, is that, is subjectivity. 100%. It's timing. So you were saying it yourself, like, what if that art director who saw you with dye, you know, just pouring down your legs, just was in a bad mood that morning? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's temperament. Didn't show up, whatever. Yeah. Right. So his subway was was late. Timing. Yeah. Temperament. Uh, he was in a bad mood. And taste. He just didn't like your work. Yeah. You know. So it's, those are the yeah. three things: timing, temperament, and taste. If you can, and this, I think that's where the luck is coming from. You know, you send something right. to somebody. If you if you just hit it at the right time, and they're in the they're in a. I can't, it's hard to say like they're in a good mood because they can be in a bad mood and still look at your work and be like, wow, this is incredible. Um, yeah. But, you know, they just have to be in that mindset of I'm looking for an illustrator or whatever. And then ultimately they have to like your work. 
Yeah. You know? And you have no control of that. That's None. The, I, you know, there's nothing where you can say like, well, I'm going to do this and this and this, and then I'll be able to be an illustrator. It's just about, uh, it's about working with other people too. That's the interesting thing about being an illustrator rather than just a fine artist is that you, it's a lot of collaboration and it's a lot of just as much as you have to have somebody initially like your work enough to hire you, you also have to be able to trust each other when you're doing a project together. You know, mm -hmm. it's, that's always a big thing is having art directors say to do this or that, or, you know, when you're doing a book, especially it's just, you know, there can be things where you just either really trust the person you're working with or sort of question everything they tell you to do and don't really feel like it would be a good idea to do right. this change, you know, which, you know, I sort of like that aspect in some ways about being an illustrator, that it's not just about me and my bubble. It's also mm -hmm. a little bit working with other people and hearing their ideas, too, and, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, making some compromises once in a while that, you know, you don't, you know, maybe some people don't ever make those compromises, but then I think they become known as these difficult people that don't, nobody yeah. wants to work with them. Yep, exactly. You know? Yeah, ego has a lot to do with that I think yeah. you know and, and like how much do you have to remove your ego entirely to be a successful illustrator I don't think so no I mean I I think that just to decide that you're going to be illustrator you must have some sort of like you think I don't know you haven't you have to have a little bit of ego I think to right. to make any art I guess but um but yeah you have to be willing to I remember talking to my dad one time because, you know, he was like, I don't know how you can just like do what people, you know, change things when people ask you to. And I was like, well, that's what, you know, that's all that you have to do when you're illustrator. You always have to do that kind of stuff. And I really don't mind it. But for the most part, I kind of like it. It's just, it's, right. it's like, you know, it's sort of when you put, you do like exquisite corpse or something where you're, you're drawing parts and you send it to somebody else and they draw another part. It's just, it makes it so that it's just not all about you. And I, I just, I like that part of illustration a lot. Yeah. What's the most frustrating comment you've ever received? Whether it's from, again, uh, you know, art director at the New York Times or art director at Simon & Schuster or wherever. Um, well, I've had some funny ones. And just when you said New York Times, one of the very first illustrations I got um, from the New York Times was like about impotence and I drew a naked man in bed and they were like what you can't have a naked man and so they made me like draw underwear on him afterwards <laughs> like paint over <laughs> so that was a funny change more than frustrating nice but um but the most frustrating thing I had recently was the last book that I was working on was um took place during World War One, So there's, you know, there's people that just are obsessed with the details of war. And I'm not at all aware of all those details. Okay. So I did my research, of course, but um, they, the publisher ended up hiring a fact checker that sent like 20 pages of the buttons on this jacket need to be, there needs to be three buttons on that one. And da -da -da, like just all these crazy minutia things that I need to change so that was extremely frustrating because it was after the art was already done so I had to go back and oh. fix a lot of little tiny details and well that's 
where the whole thing of cutting out things and gluing them on yeah. started becoming really handy yep. because like, I really, this. some things I just really couldn't fix. Right. And so I had to do something like that. Did you tell your art director like, okay, there's going to be some seams from the paper? <laughs> I like laying on top. I really don't know, actually. That I'm waiting to find out what it will look like because that might be a sort of a problem. I don't know. I mean, uh, I know sometimes I kind of like how that looks when things are yeah. obviously, you know, collaged on or something, but I, it may be a problem too. I have no idea. We have yet to find that out. Maybe it's a dumb question, but why didn't they send it to the fact checker in sketch exactly, stage? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, are your sketches story. tight enough to see that kind of thing? They're not. No. I have to say that's true, that they there's some things that wouldn't have been caught in the sketches, but there definitely could have been some huge, you know, it would have been hugely helpful to have all that information before I painted. Did you email them back and say, that, like, hey, I'll do these changes, but just FYI, I should have gotten these in sketch stage? Or are you I afraid I to? Said, I, th- I said something to the about it like that. Like, I mean, it was, it was there was a lot of back and forth about it. It was kind of a... a it was there's a lot to the whole story i mean it's just (laughs) it will partly the editor i was working with moved to a different publishing house where they had a whole different policy things you know it was just a lot of different factors involved that made it made it hard but yeah i i uh recently heard a story from an illustrator how do i frame this without uh details here Basically, they did a cover for a major publisher, and uh, through the process, there were changes. So she did a revised cover, and the revised cover was different enough th- from the from the previous cover to see the differences. You know, like it was yeah. just a totally different cover. Yeah. And uh, they posted the old cover on online retailers when it was ready to go for pre-sales. So it was up. The wrong cover was up online oh. everywhere, and they had neglected to tell her that the only reason she found out was she's like, where, where's this, what's going on with this book? Let me just Google it. And she, she found it and she found the wrong cover. And it's like, just not her, not the art she wants to be, you know, tied to yeah. it's, it's yeah. Anyways, she was asking if she well, should there, like ruffle feathers two. and contact yeah. them and be like, you know, do you stand yeah, your ground at that you point? Wanna, like burn your bridges. That's and, the point. Y- y- yeah. No, I know. That's why I was kind of like when you said, like, did you tell them? And I think I said something, but I wasn't, you know, I tried not to like completely freak out. about. It. But I, I think I said something like, you know, I think I'm going to have a heart attack, <laughs> you know, like trying to be light and joking about it, but not you know, like angry and mean about it. And um, they were like, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. Um, anyways, the revised arts <laughs> due on Monday. But I mean, both of the, that example of the woman with the cover and and this is just also so, you know initially you were asking about the changes in in children's book publishing or in publishing in general and i mean that's exactly that kind of thing seems to happen more i think because it's there's just feels like there's more people in the mix and less i don't know i feel like i used to just talk to one art director and one editor and it was like a little bit more simple and i feel like now there's these oh you're coming into this too oh who are you you know like just yeah. different oh, people yeah. coming in and yep um, so, you know, I could see how something like that could happen more easily where like, oops, the wrong cover because this other art director that wasn't working with us before just did it. Or, you know, yeah. it, it seems like it's a little bit more spread out and I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, I feel like you and I are both kind of like wanting to to like break this dam open and just like let it fly as far as some of these more frustrating things going. But I, it let's just um, let's just keep things diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I when you were asking me that, I was like, how much do I say without burning bridges? To yeah. Say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are you a fan of Beatrix Potter? Um. Well, I, I love her books and I loved reading them when I was little and I loved reading them to my kids. Um, you know, obvious, obvious connection here. Yeah. I have, I don't think I'm related. <laughs> um, have you looked into but, it? Um, not, I, I feel like I just asked my family, but, and they just said they didn't think we were, but, um, what was I gonna say? Oh, it's it's funny that you asked because I just um, recently did a little project. Um, do you know the the sort of magazine called Blab? No. It's sort of like a graphic. Uh, this this guy makes this magazine, and he decided to put a compilation together of graphic. Uh, what do you? Call, it's not graphic. I'm not using the right word. Um, Comic. Not sort of comic but just where it's not in that like exactly comic strips but just telling stories graphically like that yeah um he Se- did that sequential word sorry what was it sequential is that the word you're looking for um well just whatever way you want to do it i guess you would call it comic but okay. but it, I, I didn't do it in a really comic traditional comic way but just telling um stories of different naturalists mm-hmm. that way and he asked me if I would do Beatrix Potter. So I, it was about her as a naturalist, though, because she was sure. really into studying mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it, it was really fun, and it made me really appreciate her. I just I love that when I've done little stories about people and you have to research about them and learn about them, and it's always, it's always fun. And oh. I actually didn't know that much about her, and so then doing yeah. this, I, I found out more about her. Mm. Yeah, she's my she's – my very favorite number one illustrator of all time no question yeah hands down not even close Uh, i even did my master's thesis on her i've read everything she's ever written um yeah diaries included she's just i I can go on and on about her it's just fantastic human being you're my second you're my second favorite potter illustrator (laughs) so close (laughs) really close all right so um I think we should call it, and um, let's always remember that there are illustrators listening in, and hopefully we didn't freak them entirely out. Uh, <laughs> they were probably like, oh, shit, I chose yeah. illustration as a career. No, um, what would be just one last bit of advice that you'd want to share with them? Well, I mean, just what you just said, it's, I wouldn't want to freak people out because I mean, I was saying before, it's also amazing. It's such a nice lifestyle if you can do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's so nice to just be able to make pictures and and make a living from that. I mean, I definitely don't think it's a scary career. It's just more that, you know, there's these moments that you go through where you have to remember what you like doing. And I feel like that's the, the most important thing is to just remember that you like making pictures and have fun doing them. And it, that's what it should be. If you decide to be an illustrator, you should be somebody that it brings joy to you. And I feel like every once in a while, you just have to remember the type of art that, that makes you happy. And if you kind of are struggling and forget that, just do something fun. Like, like I said, exquisite corpse is always a fun thing to do where you just kind of have less 
you know, lim- you can just do something fun. You're not care. You're caring so much what it looks like, and mm-hmm. and you know, bring that that funny childlike side to making art back, and then you'll you know remember the fun side of it. To learn more about Giselle, visit GiselePotter.com. If you enjoyed our conversation, please share it with your friends, subscribe to the podcast, and provide a positive rating and review. Become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash illustration D-E-P-T. In return, you'll receive our soft enamel pin, a reusable discount code for 10% off, and access to patron-only episodes we're calling Extra Credit. This podcast is produced by the Illustration Department, a global leader in online education for illustrators. Visit us at illustrationdept.com for class offerings, testimonials, the alumni showcase, the podcast show notes, our forum, the bookshop, and more. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.